Hi, my name is Nina. Welcome back to the Unraveled podcast. And my name is Alina. And happy holidays. Merry Christmas. From us. Yes. Well, <laughs> we're back. And last time we were talking about what it looks like as a buyer and from both the agent and the client side. So this time we wanted to talk about the seller side. So what does it look like when we list a property for sale and that process for the seller all the way from start to the closing table? So we'll let you take it away. <laughs> all right. So typically if you are thinking about selling your house, um, either you already have a realtor in mind or you start the process of in interviewing agents. So when it comes to interviewing agents, what do you think are some things that a seller needs to look out for um, or consider? You know, let's say you have a buddy who has a buddy who sells real estate. Do you want to work with that person? So I actually have real life experience of hiring a real estate agent because, well, actually you do too from mm -hmm. when you bought your house. Um, yeah. when, we were, when we were selling my grandfather's house in New York, we had to like actually, well, I did it obviously, um, interview agents to figure out who would be the best fit for the job. Um, so some of the things that I considered at the time was like how many houses that you have sold um, and, and like how long have you been in the business, but not necessarily, I didn't really care about how much long you've been in the, how long you've been in the business so much as I cared about what your productivity was. Cause that mm -hmm. usually is the ultimate determining factor, um, along with like what kind of reviews you have, what experience do you have? Um, what else am I missing? Well, you know, simple things. I always recommend that you interview multiple agents, unless there is somebody who you know and trust that recommends somebody and they can provide a real life example of why you should hire that person. If not, interview multiple agents, see which one shows up on time, see how they present themselves, what information can they give you? Do they answer questions appropriately? How communicative are they? Those are all things that will really play into the transaction. And then once you interview them, kind of, I personally would say, make a list of the pros and the cons of each one. And a lot of people will hire an agent based off of them charging the lowest commission. But Again, that's not always the best choice because sometimes you get what you pay for. So yes, trying to look at the realtor separate from the commission, if possible, if the commission was not a factor, which one would you choose? And then try to gauge that way. So then totally after, agree with that. Yeah. And so then after that, sometimes depending on your house, there's going to be things you have to do ahead of time to get that house ready to go on the market. So that agent should be able to tell you, okay, we don't have to do anything. It's ready for pictures or, Hey, let's move some furniture around. Let's get it staged. You know, certain things have to be painted. Sometimes some things are necessary and beneficial and other maintenance items are not. So knowing all those things in advance and then getting the house ready for pictures to go on the market, please make sure the agent is hiring a professional photographer, please. Because there's a listing right now that's listed for over a million dollars that the person has used a cell phone to take pictures. Blurry. You can see them in one picture. You can see their finger. And I'm thinking, what in the world? So, I mean, if you want cell phone pictures, that's fine. But ideally, you want a professional photographer out there, a videographer, if that's what you guys have talked about, getting that property on the MLS. And then what's kind of the next step? Typically, you know, the house is on the market, just listed. Where would a seller expect to go from there? Um, 
a big factor is communication. How is that agent communicating with you before you, before they sign with you? Um, because that's, that a lot of the times can be a determining factor, whether or not they're going to be a good fit for you. Um, if you're already, if they're already not picking up your calls or texting you back before you've even signed a contract with them, that shows how they're going to do business with you as well. Um, and I know like after you get a listing on the market and you're dealing with other agents, like the communication is absolutely vital, which I'm sure you can agree with me on that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to trying to show your property, um, if I can't get in touch with the other agent, that means I'm not going to get to show your home. Um, so that's a big deal. And also just in the middle of being under contract on your home, like if the communication is poor as well, then it just, it makes a transaction entirely difficult for both sides. Yeah. So I feel like that's a really good, I feel like that's like a really, really big factor when picking an agent is what does mm -hmm. our communication look like? Definitely. And track record is everything. It's not about time that they've been licensed and it's not about um, their age because nine times out of 10, someone may look young or inexperienced, but they have sold more houses in one year than one agent has sold in their entire career. So you want to look at how many houses do they sell? How many houses have come off the market? Uh, you know, different factors that I guess speak to their credibility. Mm -hmm. So once you're listed um, in the MLS, showings will start. So a factor that determines your showings will be how you've priced the home. Hopefully that agent has discussed with you where the market's at, your home value. I know a lot of people, and I've heard this, clients tell me, well, we want to start high so we can come down low. Depending where the market is and where it is right now, that does not work. There is a client that told me that very same thing. And I told them this property is too high and it will not sell. And they said, you'll see, I'll, I'll show you. Well, months later, it didn't sell. So it's important not only to price at value, but even slightly below to give yourself a competitive edge so that people think, oh, this is a good deal. There's urgency. They schedule showings. And hopefully you get under contract pretty quickly. So showings will start. Please don't stay at home for the showings if you're the seller. Because, you know, not only could you risk frightening the agent and the buyer that walks through, but it's also, you want them to be able to picture themselves in that home. And if you're there, then it's going to make them, it's going to be hard for them to picture that. Okay. But um, also it, they want to, when they're walking into home, they've got to feel like it's theirs. They got to feel like they could see themselves. Mm -hmm. They could, they've had to feel like they could see themselves there. Yeah. And what comes with that is being able to talk with their agent and talk with their partner about the things that they like and dislike about the home. Yeah. Um, and they can't do that when you're there. Yeah. So try and no audio recording devices. It's illegal, but also it's not really fair to the people that are looking at your home. Mm -hmm. They can't voice what they feel and what they're, what they're thinking about your home to, you know, make a decision mm -hmm. because you're listening in. Or at least if you decide to secretly do that, please at least disclose that to your agent. Correct. Because if you and your agent are not on the same page, it's going to be hard to get to the closing table. Um, the most important thing is for you guys to be aligned in your goals. So showings are happening. Um, Sometimes an agent will offer to do open houses. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes their marketing strategies through social media ads, which can be more effective than an open house, or it may be that an open house brings in a buyer for your home. So going through that process, and let's say you get three offers or even one offer. If you get multiple offers, the agent will present those offers to you in a timely manner and kind of walk you through the terms and you can pick which one you like best. You can also counter the offer if you like most of it, but part of it you don't like and try to see if you can get under contract. Now you're under contract. Then what's the next step? After you're under contract. 
depending on the offer, let's say there's a due diligence, right? Okay. The buyer gets an inspection. Um, yeah, during that two period, you're kind of just sitting back and letting the buyer do their thing. Um, and then until you, until they've got their home inspection and they want to renegotiate terms. And that kind of goes back to, um, being open to what the buyer has to say, yeah. um, and what their concerns are. Cause most of the time, um, on my side of things, if I'm representing a buyer, I'm usually advising them, you know, you need to focus on hazardous structural and safety things. Those are your biggest concerns. Mm-hmm. Cosmetic stuff aren't aren't detrimental to the house mm-hmm. and more than likely the seller isn't going to fix those things. And honestly, like if it, if the buyer's asking for one thing to be done and it's some, something so small, I'm like, go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're looking at a lot of things, um, like I've had some buyers say, I want the whole, I want the seller to do the whole inspection report. I'm like, okay, let's narrow that down a little yeah. more because realistically you, you, you got to work with the, the seller here. If you want to, if you want to close and then today we all have the same goal. So if you want to close, like, let's be more practical about what that looks like and fix things that are truly a concern for you. And if honestly, if everything is a concern for you, then, you know, we'll do our best Mm -hmm. to negotiate it. Um, so then you're at during that time on the sellers and you've got to be receptive to what that buyer needs and wants are. Um, so then that way you can kind of come to an agreement on what needs to get fixed or what you're willing to compensate for. Yeah. And it really just depends on the situation. Sometimes you will get a buyer that is unreasonable in their requests. They want you to complete the inspection report A to Z. Now, if you don't have any other offers, my recommendation is always, and hopefully your agent would tell you this as well, to try to negotiate and make that deal work. However, if you have multiple offers or backup offers, you have more leverage. And then you could tell that buyer, no, we're not doing anything. Or maybe we'll do, you know, two or three items. And then if they're not willing to work with you, you have those backup offers. So your agent needs to be leveraging the showings even once you're under contract. So let's say you have an offer. It's great. It doesn't mean you're going to close. That agent still needs to be marketing the home, leveraging those showings, really pushing it until you're closer to closing. So that's something else that is important. Great advice. Totally agree with that. Now, let's say you get through that due diligence period. Everything is great then you will probably receive some communication from the attorney regarding the closing. It will be scheduled. Again, is this a cash offer, finance? There's a couple different things that could happen, but then pretty much the last thing would be for you to pack and move. And this is a big thing because a lot of times you're not packed. You say you're packed, but you're not packed and you're not moved out. And then the Sounds closing like you're speaking from experience. is delayed. <laughs> you know, there's been countless, countless times where it's, a 40-day close, 50-day close, so plenty of time. And, you know, no one likes to move. And so we think we can get it done, but then you oftentimes probably need to give yourself double the time that you think you do. Because if you're in the property, either the closing is going to get delayed or you're going to be fined. You know, in order for the buyer to continue to want to buy the home, they may say, hey, it's going to be $250 a day. So knowing that in advance, it would motivate you to just have everything ready to go. But that should be something, of course, that your agent tells you as well. So at the closing table, what's going to happen? You're going to attend, sign different documents. The attorney typically will represent the lender. So if the buyer has a lender, that's who the attorney represents. You know, the closing will anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour and a half. But different things will be prorated at closing. So property taxes, if you have an HOA, um, what else can be prorated? If it's a rental property, if there's any rents or deposits, that would also Mm -hmm. be prorated. But pretty much that is generally how it goes. You know, it could go wrong in so many different ways if you A, hire the wrong agent or B, price the property incorrectly. 
So everything, all the details also are have a delayed closing attorney as well. Oh who, yes. Who doesn't do things on times so that have had that happen before. You know, technically there's things that are out of our control. You know, we can't control if the buyer is crazy or if your agent turns out to be crazy. You can't control if the attorney doesn't close on time or if a tree falls on your house. But generally there's things we can do strategically to help make the process smooth and kind of push that closing easier. Um, when it comes to delay closing, what is the longest delay you ever had with a closing? That's a good question. I don't feel like it's ever been any more than maybe two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Um, and I, it was, it, the one that I'm thinking of, it got delayed because it was a VA loan and there was a termite inspection termite letter needed. Mm -hmm. And, um, and honestly, like I dropped the ball on it. The lender dropped a ball on it. Um, it just kind of breezed over our head. And the crazy part is that we got all the way to the closing table mm -hmm. to realize that it didn't, I didn't Wait, have so a termite letter. the lender funded without the termite letter? No. So, uh -huh. but, like, but like you would have had to provide that like mid being mid under contract, mm -hmm. but we got to the closing table and then the lender was like, Oh, we're not funding it. We don't have a termite letter. But I'm like, how did everyone miss it? Yeah. That we got to closing and it and didn't have it. Um, it worked out fine, but honestly, it was that wasn't even two weeks. That was like maybe 48 hours. Um, I literally called the termite guy at closing and he came out the next day, did mm -hmm. it. So we closed on, we closed in escrow, which basically means, um, we just closed without the funds, um, which only is good for so long. Um, so we just did it that way, submitted the termite letter to the, to the lender a couple days later, not the, as soon as it was produced and, um, closed a few days later. No, well, we closed an escrow. Okay. So we were, they funded it right after. Okay. So it was a little bit of a, it was so weird because it's again, like how did we all miss, miss that until mm -hmm. we got to closing. And there is one other situation where you could be selling your house and buying a house at the same time. And for a lot of people that makes them nervous and you know, it is kind of stressful, but there's a couple of things that you could typically do there. Number one, you can negotiate a temporary occupancy agreement. So you could go ahead and purchase your new house, sell your old one and be able to stay in your house for two weeks, a month, whatever you negotiate, you may have to pay rent. You might work that price into the sales price, but that is typically the best way to do it. And while you're selling your house, we're actively looking at property to get you under contract. So we can make it seamless for you and it's less scary than you might think. So, well, I don't have anything else to add to that. I mean, you guys, it's the holiday season. Well. Thank you for following us along on our journey. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast. We are going to be back next week on our usual Wednesday. Um, feel free to follow us on social media. You can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts and Merry Christmas to you, to you and your family and happy holidays.